0: Hi, this is Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press from West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, here with Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal. We are actually a couple doors apart in, in a hotel not too far from Mackey Arena, uh, though some people think it's 1986 here. Um, anyway, uh, Michigan State, kind of like 1986 in a lot of ways, they, they're they out of the NCAA tournament, uh, 86-80 overtime loss to UCLA in the first four, the uh, first time the Spartans have not made it to the round of 64 since uh, the second year of Tom Izzo's tenure in 1996. And, Graham, this was a game that, you know, I, I think pretty much mirrored everything that Michigan State's season was. Uh, you know, a hot start, much like they did in the non-conference season. They, they, they jumped out to a 14-point lead and led by 11 at halftime. Uh, once they got into the second half, they, they gave up a big run early to allow UCLA back in the game and uh, fought back to, to keep it and get a five-point lead late, uh, much like they did at the end of the regular season. And then from there, uh, UCLA rallied back in the final minute and a half, uh, kind of like Maryland, and then everything fell apart at the end. Uh, I, thought, I thought that it was a pretty pretty – much the symmetry of the season.
1: Yeah, and unlike 1986, I don't think people are going to talk about this game for the ages. That was the clock game, right, with Skyles? <laughs> no, that was the Kansas game, yes. People would be done with this. The one thing that was different about this, and I agree, parts of the season were all in one. I thought for the in the first half, they moved the ball really like they haven't in a long time. You saw a couple times where guys were either in the post or driving all the way to the uh, rim which led to four passes to an open shooter in the corner like that was really nice stuff and they couldn't they, they couldn't find that late they couldn't they couldn't rediscover that and you know and to UCLA's credit I you know the, my perception of the first half was maybe the Big Ten is just that good maybe Michigan State's gonna make a run here maybe the Pac-12 is really bad and UCLA is soft as ever UCLA's credit is they've tried to embody what, as McCronin's tried to embody what Izzo has built in Michigan State. They they, they showed some resolve, some teeth. They drove it and drove it and gave Michigan State all sorts of problems. And uh, the, the thing that I thought was different in the way Michigan State lost today than other ways is they've been very good late in game. Recently. Very good poise in the final minutes. And UCLA is not. And they got that five-point lead against 77-72, I think it was. And then, really, uh, they had the, the missed blockout by Aaron Henry. They just didn't have a lot of poise at the end. And then they got short on. You have not seen this team look tight. And then you see a three-point airball or an airball air jump shot from Henry at the end of regulation, and the airball three uh, getting over
0: time. That's that's fatigue, but it's also I thought I think they got tight. Yeah, I'd agree with you on, on that. Uh, and I thought that. You know, it's interesting that, you know, about two months ago or a month and a half ago, we were, we were here in West Lafayette um, and it, about a month ago, actually. Um, and it seemed like that was where the season was ending when Michigan State lost to Purdue uh, in that game by 10. And they were four nine in the Big Ten. And ironically, they end up ending their season here. Yeah. Um,
1: Turns out uh, yeah they did lose end their
0: season. what's left? Yeah. it's crazy because um, you know you mentioned about the the blockouts and the air balls and those are things that that you really saw um, down the stretch that were that were lapses for the that Aaron Henry had played so well at points in that game and then kind of kind of dissolved but it wasn't it wasn't all him I mean it, it was much like much like in the Maryland game there were a lot of things and similarities to the Maryland game in it you know, Henry had it down the stretch. Tried to do maybe a little more in certain areas that he need, than he could um, because he wasn't getting help from Rocket Watts. And I think that that was that's one thing. Um, and I think UCLA took a page out of the Maryland playbook and just kept attacking them off the bounce. And Langford and Watts struggled defensively to to keep their guards in front of them um jazang and uh were just attacking all, all day uh was early and jazang in the second half in the early part of overtime until really he got hurt and they had no counter for that they, they it's not often that you see tom izzo's teams look so bad defensively i think joey hauser had a lot of stretches where where he was getting abused defensively too and you know, these, again, these were microcosms of the season just all coming into play in the last 20 minutes, third, 25 minutes of the, of the year. Well, and early in the game,
1: you know, they had a lot of near turnovers. They, they, one Rocket Walks or uh, or Aaron Henry ran down in the backboard and then led to a Rocket Walks layup. You know, they had a couple others where they they, they prevented what had often been turnovers. And at the end of the game, that wasn't happening. You had the Joey Hauser pass Aaron Henry that he just missed, they just missed, connected. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the mistake I thought was made, and, and I know that, you know, when, when you look at it late in the game, Bingham was less effective and he was playing up higher, um, but I, I also think they brought him in with 18-0, like Michigan State is up, um, you know, what, 11 going into the second half, right? And UCLA has a quick 7-0 run. They bring Bingham in the game, and that steadies things. UCLA misses nine shots then in a row. Uh, Bingham has three blocks. It was really aggressive on the offensive end. Three or four free throws. really changed the game. They take him out after that stretch. It's fine. He played five hard minutes. Uh, but he didn't come back in for another, like, nine minutes. And I, and I thought that was a mistake. You know, he came back in and, and you know, they, they were up again by, uh, you know, three or five points. But they had been behind. I don't think it needed to get to that point. I think he had gotten them back up eight. He helped them do that. I thought I thought they just underutilized him a little bit, and, and that that was one of the things I think
0: uh, Izzo may regret as he looks back on this. But I also think a no, though, because I, you, you have to remember that he twisted his ankle pretty fiercely in the yeah. first half, yeah. and so you don't know when the tightening might happen again after that when you come out of the locker room after getting treatment. Um, so I, I don't want to put too much on that, and, and he was in there. At the start of the the, the overtime period, when ben yes. went out and, and basically yes. seized the game, and, and Michigan State was turning the ball over, airball by Rocket Watts, um, you know the Henry airball at the end of regulation, uh, you know he had a hand in his face, but I mean th- there were more than a few, and Gabe Brown in overtime as well uh, missed the rim by you know a, a good two and a half feet and smacked it off the backboard, um, you know. the what we saw uh, in that first half uh, I don't want to say it was a mirage because I think there were points in that second half where, where you saw it as well but but they just it was the lack of consistency and it's you know these are two teams that have mirrored each other in that way and just not playing consistent basketball for 40 minutes and ultimately that extra five is you know Michigan State had a chance um, but once you saw that, that go the way that the the overtime period started um that there was no recovery from that michigan state looked zapped
1: yeah and they they seem to lose their their spirit a little bit in the end and look i think it's been a long year i think they're um i mean you think about their relief of going home whenever you're listening to this whenever michigan state gets home and they don't have to do the daily covid test they don't have to do this this Life they've lived since July that has been trying to get to this point and trying to do everything to have a season and all they endured. I, I think there's a lot of, of mental fatigue in this year, and uh, they'll be glad to get away from it. They wanted to win this game. I'm not saying they didn't want to win this game. Um, I, I, you know, I think in the first half they, they felt like they looked like a team that, um, that was going to make a run. I want to ask you about a couple things. One, uh, I want to spin this forward a little bit. If you start to um, but I also the, the, one of the things we ought to address because it was a storyline in the game was the, um, the Gabe Brown situation at halftime Gabe Brown is somebody who often I mean there's some defensive assignments that's not necessarily his strength sometimes he winds up being the culprit I things. think happened again UCLA hits a shot uh, Izzo was getting into him They're going back and forth Izzo grabs him as he wants goes to walk away and social media blew up and look it, it's it's not a good look for Izzo because you're grabbing a player and it's on national tv and, and, and two years after the Aaron Henry thing got overblown you know but um I, I don't I think this one will not be overblown it doesn't seem to have the same legs uh
0: but maybe in part because of the Aaron Henry situation yeah, yeah. and how it was handled and how similar it was um in terms of just a the, the quick back and forth that people from the outside who haven't watched Izzo's coaching for a full season um, get kind of dropped into it during tournament time. Um, they don't understand the back and forth that these guys have with each other um, and the understanding. And I, I think Izzo was was pretty complimentary of, of what Gabe Brown did for them in, in the game, too. Yeah. He, he made sure to, to single him out among the guys, including Marcus Bingham um, and Josh Langford, guys that, that gave – everything that they had. And, but, you know, that was a, a similar situation to Henry's in that, you know, he he walked away from Izzo and Izzo wasn't done talking. Um, except the other one, Henry was just still talking when he needed to be quiet in the middle of a huddle. Um, but, you know, I think that's partly the the outsiders who don't see it. Um, and
1: well, I also think it's fine to be turned off by it. Um, it's not like that's for everybody, and I, you know, I think you can respect that. I think the thing that the Aaron Henry think, uh the, the outrage from outside and the and the, the hot takes yeah. and all that stuff became worse than the actual, if you want to talk about ethical issues, what was done in covering that was in some ways worse than the actual uh, confrontation. Um, I, this this seems to, like, it'll blow over. People know who is or who is is, largely, take him or leave him, and that's who he is in this players years later appreciate it. I don't know if Pete Brown appreciated it in the moment, but he played a, a, an aggressive second half, so I, I think that goes over. I, let, let's let's spin it forward a little bit, because I, I think, Chris, people are going to start, what happens now, and there there are an awful lot of questions for this team um, and this program. Joshua Langford ended the press conference today saying this was his last game at Michigan State, and obviously, he could get a week away from this, and there could be a conversation where that changed. but as of now, that's clearly where it's headed. He's done, and, and look, it's probably time they got guys coming in. You know, rosters that in it's position too, in particular. Yeah. So, but it'll be. But what's going to be fascinating is, you know, Thomas Kithier is not playing at all at the end of this. Marcus Bingham looks like he's emerging. Uh, Julius Marble starting, but what, what is he? You know, he's a guy who went through a dramatic offseason. Uh, uh, you know where are all these guys' heads after this year? Do they want to be part of this? Do they not? I think there's going to be some interesting discussion. And you start to hear the murmurs about people they're looking at in the Brad transfer portal. and Obviously, there's got to be space that they're seriously considering that. They might,
0: might know somebody's going to leave. It,
1: it'll be, it's going to be very interesting in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, and, and Langford wouldn't have counted against the scholarship limit next yep. year. And there's, as you mentioned, there's still a chance he could change his mind. But, um, you know, it, it – I'll say that having covered Josh for five years and and getting to know him fairly well compared to what you know some guys just simply because you know he came in with that big class uh, with Bridges and Winston and Nick Ward, um, so you got to be around him and he they were integral parts right away. So it wasn't you know you known this kid for four or five years. He seemed at peace with it when he said that today uh, or tonight, this morning, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, and he had, if this is his final game, he played 35 minutes, five of eight shooting. I mean, he
1: missed a shot late that was big, but uh, seven rebounds. He rebounded really well, I thought. Uh,
0: uh, you know, three. Yeah, that's, he broke up a little bit.
1: And a lot. Earlier, Izzo said, you know, something about the idea that maybe a healthy year in terms of his pro career, but I, this seems like it
0: for Langford. I think he's going to do something else. Yeah. It was interesting. His phrasing, he said it's my last college basketball game at Michigan state, which, you know, which is a weird way to phrase it. Um, you can park through that any way you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, they've got it. He's got an extra year of eligibility.
1: Okay.
0: And if he wanted to, he could probably petition for a seventh year, uh, based on playing one game over the, the limit. Um, the year he got hurt at one half over the limit, really. Um, but uh, you know, I would. There, there's a lot of things in his life um, that you know, outside of basketball, we're trying to chase the professional future, knowing that you know, I've just played 35 minutes a game, you know, down the stretch. Um, I've shown all I can physically. Now I got to go and see if I can test it on the professional level. You can't harp, you can't fault a guy, and, and it, you know, he would have been off the clock in all honesty last year with Cassius Winston if he was healthy.
1: Yeah. So. What, what who do you think? I mean, it's it's so hard to because here's the thing that Chris, I think we get it's dangerous to get irresponsible with. We don't we don't know what guys are thinking right now. We really don't, and, and less so for us than in most years. Because I don't think what what people what people may not understand is in most years we would be having conversations with these guys throughout the season, before every practice, in locker rooms, conversations with assistant coaches off to the side at practices. We would have a sense of things, even if we didn't know where things were. We, I think we have much less of a sense of where the, people's heads are than we normally do.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, part of it, I think, is the the climate with the, the COVID restrictions for everybody and them being in, in, you know, basically isolated from the outside world in so many ways, including us. Uh, part of it, I think, is also the way that the season went and how they needed to really kind of you know focus in and dial in a little bit more so that there wasn't they were a lot more guarded uh, down the stretch uh, but I do think that in terms of the program itself I mean not having the assistant coaches is certainly one of those things where they can give you a better gauge of this guy's doing this or, this guy's not quite there so I don't know I mean you know you could look up and down the list on the roster and and the 13 scholarship guys that are there um, Twelve, if you take Langford out, and you can ask yourself, would this guy leave? And you know, Aaron Henry—that's one of the things for the future. More than likely, he's going to turn pro. Um, they need at least one scholarship open to to get uh, to, to get all three of the guys currently signed because Jack Hoyberg's scholarship comes back open, and Langford's scholarship comes open. So now, that's that's three guys. That's, so that brings you to thirteen. So you've got ten other guys. On scholarship, what's going to happen? Um, you know, there there are some guys that you look at and and you think, boy, you know, I mean, I, there's not one of those ten guys that I can sit here and and adequately say I don't feel like this guy has a reason to transfer. You could look through every one of those ten guys that are remaining and say this guy might transfer for this reason. You know, I mean, you know, does Rocket Watts not want to play point guard? Um, well then, maybe that's maybe he's soured on that. Does Joey Hauser have anything left to play in basketball? What's his interest level? Um, you know, that's something you could say there. What, what about you know, Gabe Brown and Malik Hall and and Julius Marble? I think Hall and Hall and Marble or Hall and Brown to me seem like the guys that are most apt to be back out of that group. But and, you, and I think I think, I think too. I mean, it's you know, there, there's not one guy that you can sit there and 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 say, this guy's coming back and going to be a leader on his team next year. Well, and I think
1: Hauser, to me, you know, this guy's already transferred, so I don't know if they have the one-time transfer rule, how that would be viewed for him, and whether he would be able to to, to be right away. The the, the thing that gets interesting is all of these guys have an extra year of eligibility. Yes. And so, and all of them are going to, if you transfer, you're not going to have to sit out. So that changes the the, the conversation for a lot of guys. Um, And they might be able to transfer. They don't have to transfer this year if they want to leave. I mean, it's going to... It's going to change the landscape of college basketball we could be surprised there could be somebody we think makes sense to come back who goes there could be somebody that we think's going that's perfectly happy um you know there's always talk about a guy like rocket watts and then you see the moment between him and izzo on the day that he formed in front of his mom you know where's his head you know does he, does he like the structure and like what they have going on? you know i can see a lot of reasons he'd want to stay as part of that program and have a true off season and develop into you know he, he needs an off season badly I think Malik Hall needs an off season offensively. He's a guy who last year looked like he was on the cusp of things, and um, I think that sophomore class and, and, and a lot of Bingham is, is he a guy who um, feels like he's on the cusp of Michigan State, or is he a guy who feels like they're never going to truly give him the chance he needs, and he'll be appreciated somewhere else? I don't know. I—I I, I think those are those are things that get real interesting real fast, and and. That's where the conversation goes really
0: starting now and then um, obviously uh, the other big question, Mark, is what's Amani Bates gonna do? I mean if Amani Bates reclassifies where's the scholarship at this point? You know, if all let's say all those guys come back, they're at they're at the thirteen limit. Um yeah. Christie with uh My and, and, and they don't... Aaron Henry leaves. I mean Christie Akins and uh, and Brooks, I mean that takes them to thirteen. They wouldn't have anybody open. So if they do, and, and you know, you see them reaching out to John Harer. Um, yeah, I'll John be a great The Penn State big man would be a great pickup. Yeah, I mean, Tom it was really complimentary of him before yeah. the Penn State game. Talked about the development and the process that that he showed in, in his four years at Penn State. So you can tell that there is some admiration there for him. But again, I, and, and I wrote about this. Uh, I don't know when it'll end up running. I think it maybe was going to run in print. Uh, in in Friday's paper, but um, yeah, there's also no chance, or no telling if these guys are even going to leave their current schools. Yeah. Um, you know, just entering the portal. I mean, Connor Hayward's situation comes up, but I think back to when uh, right before the portal happened, uh, when Jeff Capel took the pit job, uh, he had I think eight guys, and Marcus Carr was one of them. Eight guys before that, when Kevin Stallings got fired, entered the portal, or, or excuse me, announced that they they were planning to explore leaving the program and ask for their scholarship release Uh, five of them ended up coming back Um, then you know so that's you know and the same thing happens with the portal you know when there's a coaching situation and there's a new coach at Penn State I think there were I think they've got like half dozen guys that went into the portal Um, so you know it's you know there's so many question marks that you know between Imani Bates the portal Current roster. I mean, it's it's going to be an, a, a season unlike maybe any that Tom Izzo has had in terms of roster management in a lot of ways. But that's the yeah. co- that's co- college basketball in twenty twenty one. Like if you yeah. aren't if you aren't looking at the portal and at least exploring and having conversations with these guys, you're falling behind because that's recruiting.
1: And you've got you've got a you know we look at next year as a year for Michigan State. Like, well, they bring in these three freshmen. Um, who will change the identity. And I think, you know, you, 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 if you had to put together a starting five right now, you would think like a Jay Hankins and, and Mark Christie are in it. But freshmen, and you know, we've seen talented freshmen on their own. That that doesn't win in college basketball. You, you need seasoned veterans to, to make that go. And so where is the development elsewhere? So you know, I think part of me thinks when you look at, like, and Christie and Peter Brooks, what makes them so promising is those aren't one and done guys probably, so it's really what they've become in years two and three, maybe at Michigan State. And, and but you know, can a guy like Gabe Brown really take that next step now that Aaron Henry and Joshua Langford are gone? Um, and, and can Bingham become the guy in there? Um, you know, I mean, and again, like, you know, I think Hall and Hauser, I think that combo. Could be pretty good for them it, with an offseason and with a lot of, you know, I think because when he call him, he seems like a guy who has every skill in the book just needs to refine them, needs to with consistency and think, be a
0: very good player by the time he's done. I think Joey Hauser needs to take a page out of the Aaron Harris book. Um, you know, you think about the off season that Aaron Harris had in between his first year after transferring from West Virginia and his last year, the improvements that he made on the defensive end, I mean, there's no question that, you know, the two guys whose struggles on defense carried over to their offense or vice versa were were Watts and Hauser. Um, But Hauser in particular, uh, they would need him to to take that next step as a defender uh, and and improve on that.
1: And then then there's a guy like Hogarth who – You know, I mean, he's a freshman this year. He played, I mean, yes, there were lots of things he didn't do in terms of taking care of them as a point guard, but he was a true freshman. And his first year. Now, he may be, you know, I always joke about Hunter Dickinson's age, and Bogard's actually older than him. So, I mean, I shouldn't call him a freshman.
0: He's actually not, not, though. There was an error in the media guide that made it. Is it a really? Yeah. True story. All right. Oh, you froze up again. That was a good time. it was that 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 thing wowed you so much that you froze up? I froze for a minute. I apologize. Yeah, so, <laughs> it, um, a minute to process some things. So, uh, but
1: anyway, um, well, yeah, we, we should probably wrap it up here. Yeah. We've got we've had a good good run here. The freeze is a it'll tell. It'll be, it'll be an interesting few weeks. Um, you know, it, it, this is you know, uh, you know. I, I think the one good thing for MSU fans is, you know, there have been years where the tournament has either not happened like last year or ended early like 2016 of the Valentine's Senior Year where there has been great regret and that has lingered over the offseason where you're, what if they had, oh goodness, there, this, you know, yeah, this game wasn't fun for people. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see them get to the play at BYU and maybe at Texas or something like that. But I think ultimately people will uh, accept what this team did to preserve the streak it was a flawed group and and now you move forward and try
0: and reshape things with it yep i completely agree with that and i think it's going to be one of the more interesting off seasons to watch for so many different reasons and now we can do what everybody wants us to do and turn our attention to spring football right i mean that's that's what that's what's next for us. Um, you know, Tuesday Mel Tucker opens his first spring football practice after his first season. We'll figure that one out. That's no the oddity well. of 2020 and 2021. But well, Graham, thanks a lot. And uh, you know, we're going to try and do this maybe a little less frequently, but we may have a couple coming here during the the spring football season. But uh, make sure you follow Graham at Graham underscore Couch on Twitter. I'm cr- at Chris Solari on Twitter. And uh, check out lsj.com and greenandwhite.com and freep.com for more of our coverage uh, of spring football and these other things that we talked about with basketball. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.